It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, everyone, welcome back into another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast right here on the CLNS Media Network. It is Brian Heinz from Pat's Pulpit, back as always with Alex Barth from 985 The Sports Hub for our Week 18 Patriots preview, the last game preview of the year. But, of course, we have... In which we won't preview the game much. (laughs) Which there probably won't be much discussion of the actual a game on the football field because we have to start with the big story of the day, which was the wonderful article in the Boston Herald by Andrew Callahan and Doug Kide, which was very similar from the article Andrew wrote last year for the Herald with Karen, breaking down sort of the dysfunction in the offensive coaching staff, obviously with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia with Bill Belichick last year. But this one was focused on the dysfunction, kind of the same stuff in the staff this year, With Bill O'Brien, Adrian Clem, there were some mentions that Bill wanted to keep Matt Patricia around even as the offensive coordinator and Kraft kind of stepped in. So those are some of the the big bullets. We can kind of break this down, but I I mean, like, just here we go again, right? We kind of knew some of this was boiling behind the scenes, and this was a really good piece to kind of lay it all out and see this dysfunction kind of firsthand. Literally to the point where I'm actually driving down Gillette today, And I, you know, had this thought in the back of my head, you know, I was kind of thinking about, oh, you know, the end of season expose piece is going to be interesting. And then I saw Callahan retweet a tweet of his and I kind of half read it. I was like, oh, that's weird. He retweeted last year's, you know, end of season (laughs) recap, end of season expose. And then I kind of read it or somebody texted me and I read it again. I was like, oh, what? I, normally you don't get those things till the end of the season. And yeah. there might be a couple of reasons why they released it, you know, before the final game. And because last year it was, um, I remember, so I was on the, I was getting ready to go to the, the Shrine Bowl. It was like that morning. So it was well after the season, a week or two after the season. Uh, but no, we got it. And now it's time to kind of start to figure out what went wrong. And I think some of it, it's funny because I, I was talking to, you know, I'll just say Evan. I, I was going to say people cover the team, whatever. It's Evan. And he's like, yeah, you know, how much of this is, you know, you know, we knew some of this. And I'm like, we knew it because we and I'm not saying we knew these like secrets. I'm saying when you follow the team day to day as close as we are afforded the opportunity to do so by the nature of our jobs, it's easier. I think to people who maybe tune in on Sunday, do a quick view of Twitter, you know, once or twice a week, what's going on with the team. I think this did a really good job of painting what the day to day has been like. So there's some stuff we already knew. 
but it's it's laid out in a way that I think is very helpful. There's some stuff that we suspected that is now confirmed. And then, of course, there are just some overall new pieces of information as well. So I thought this was really done. I think it hit on a couple of different angles that are going to be fascinating as we get into the offseason. And I have uh, up on 98.5thesportshub.com, I just kind of did my five biggest uh, takeaways from it. And we can get into those. We can get into some of the smaller stuff as well. But it, it just like last year, I thought did a very good job of painting what the issues are. And Brian, it's things that we've talked about throughout the year. It's things that we've speculated on. And we've, I don't want to say assumed, but we've kind of guessed and tried to put puzzle pieces together. And you're, or just things that we, we knew, we said, we felt that have proven to be right. So I, I think it was a, just a really well done piece. And Every Patriots fan should read it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. We see, like, we can see James Ferenc, who's on the practice squad, coaching, helping the offensive line, like, during games. We see some of that, which is part of their story we can get into. And I just looked it up. Andrew posted the one last year on January 26th, and I think the season okay. ended, like, the 9th. So it was, like, two and a half weeks after. Yeah. Now you're getting this one in week 18. So a little bit different time frame there, but – yeah, we, we can get into some of your, your points and, and your big takeaways, but I think the biggest one is just kind of the offensive staff, right? We saw they mentioned this offensive coordinator search that happened last year. They said it wasn't really a fair search, which at the time looking at the candidates, it didn't really look like it. It seemed like it was always Bill O'Brien, and then maybe they're bringing in these guys who could potentially fill in roles below him, and you saw that with Adrian Clem coming in as the offensive line coach. And from there, it was just, it's Bill Belichick's staff, right? Bill O'Brien's the offensive right. coordinator, but these are all outside of Will Line, who was Billy O's one guy he brought in. These are all still Bill Belichick's guys from Vinny Ciceri at the running backs, Troy Brown and, and Ross Douglas at wide receivers who Ross, Doug, Ross Douglas saw the fire coming and he ran to Syracuse a month ago. And then Adrian Clem at the offensive line. So, one of our big things in the offseason was after the whole Matt Patricia and Joe Judge thing was getting a head coach of the offense, and that was Billy O, and letting him kind of have free reign. And from the get-go, they didn't do that because he only got Will Lawling and everyone else was, right. was Bill Belichick's guys. No, I think the biggest picture painted here is Bill yeah. Belichick is still somebody who's very focused on consolidating power and yeah. have everything run through him and not giving an inch. And if Bill O'Brien can't be the head coach of the offense, nobody's going to be able to do it. I even wonder if Josh McDaniels could do it at this point or how much Josh McDaniels ever really did it. Not only was Bill O'Brien not allowed to pick his staff, you you go further. And, and, and a really interesting part of this to me was how Adrian the Adrian Clem saga played out, how Adrian Clem's tenure was treated. Because in in to read from it here, you'll just let me uh, pull this bit up. Um, where's the part on? Uh, so it talks about you know the staff being kind of tilted one way or the other here. So on Clem, on the surface, it was a sensible reunion. The Patriots hiring Clem. Clem had played and learned under legendary Patriots offensive line coach Dante Scarnecchia. However, his fit in the year 2023 struck some of the organization as questionable. And it continues to say Clem's techniques and philosophy had evolved since his playing days under Skarnakia, molded by stops at SMU, UCLA, Oregon, and in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. <clears throat> Later on, Trent Brown talks about how when Clem took his medical leave of absence, 
the Patrick offensive line was, and this is them kind of summing up what Trent said. The Patrick offensive line was now practicing Skarnecchia's techniques and drills instead of those he, Clem, had taught. Did they hire Adrian Clem? And, and this is now me. Like, let's let's put all this together. Did they hire Adrian Clem because they thought Adrian Clem was a good offensive line coach? Or did they hire Adrian Clem because they wanted somebody to run Dante Skarnecchia's system and figured he played under him, he will have a good shot at replicating it. And this isn't to knock Dante Skarnecchia. It's the furthest thing from it. Dante Skarnecchia's system clearly works, but a big part of Dante Skarnecchia's system is Dante Skarnecchia. And even if you replicate 99% of it, who's to say that 1% you miss isn't the part that was making a massive difference. I think when Scar left, yes, there are things he did that you want to replicate, but you also need to leave room to grow and operate as if he's not there. You can't try to operate as if he's still there without him there. And that's where I look at, did they hire Adrian Clem because they thought he'd be good? Or did they hire him just to basically try to duplicate what Skarnakia did? Because to do that, to discredit, you know, he hasn't been in, in Skarnakia's system in 20 years. And that was, I'm sure Scar's system changed a ton between 2004 and when he left. To discredit all of Adrian Clem's experiences is one, a disservice to Clem. And yep. if that's actually the case and word gets out that that's what the Patriots are doing, and there is some evidence that they're doing this with other coaches, it's going to be really hard to hire, guys. Because nobody's going to be like, so I'm going to come here and you're just going to tell me 100% what to do and I have no say in my own room. Uh, it's a disservice to the team because you're not letting the coach, you're not getting the most out of the coaches you have. It's, that's a really worrying pattern to see that because you, you can kind of see it with other guys too, right? How is Vinny Sonseri a college defensive back? And they talk about this, a running backs coach. Is it just because you're trying to have him do his best Ivan fears impression? So Ivan fears is a great coach, but Ivan Fears is a great coach because he's Ivan Fears. I don't know that you can replicate that. Who's still around the facility. Right, like who's still around day. the facility. It, it to me, resembles a little bit when we talk about Mac Jones running the Patriots offense and them asking him to do things that Tom Brady did. The Patriots offense, and we talk about is the Patriots' current offensive system, is it obsolete? And can it not work in the NFL? I think it can, but you have to have that quarterback. And... You can't just ask another quarterback to run a system that was created for and tailored around and run by another guy. So it does seem to be this hesitance to recognize and accept that certain people have moved on and to kind of try to fit square pegs into round holes to instead of evolve and grow in the absence of those guys. And I'm not, the absence of those guys hurt, but to just kind of try to force it to be like, they're still here almost in denial instead of be like, all right, we got to get a new offensive line coach and try to hire the best coach to do his thing. And maybe it's not going to look like what Dante Skarnecchia did, but if we believe in this guy as a coach, then, you know, it'll work in his own right. And that'll be great. Are they doing that? Are they really doing that, which they should be doing? Or are they saying, all right, this is how Dante ran it. This is how you're going to run it. We don't want you to put your own fingerprints on it. We want it to be as close to the Dante Skarnecchia system as possible. Because that not that what it sounds like they did with Adrian Clem? Yep. And that's concerning because that doesn't work. Clearly. <laughs> right. And that, and that, sorry, and that brings it all back to Bill because that's a Bill call, right? And a, on a grander level, 
not letting O'Brien bring in his staff, even if O'Brien had control of the offense, did he really without the coaches he wanted? And it talks about how O'Brien coached the entire offense and there really weren't a ton of positional meetings. Was that because O'Brien didn't have guys he felt could run the system he wanted? So he had to do it all himself. It just, it, it seems to be that the, the, the trust, the further you got down the tree was really lacking and that's not good. That's just not a good way to operate. Yeah. No, I agree with all that. And if you want to look from the bill point of lens, right? Like the people who might still be holding out hope that maybe he gives up general manager powers or general manager duties right. and just stays on as head coach, hearing some of these details where, you know, they talk about Bill was ready to bring Matt Patricia back as offensive coordinator. And maybe he still recognized there needed to be some changes in the offense, but he was ready to let Patricia kind of grow in that role. And now he's, you know, Kraft says, let's bring in Billy O. And Bill says, okay, but it's still going to be my staff around Billy O. There's still kind of a stubbornness there. So again, if we're talking about next week in the future with, with Bill and, and his role in his, in this organization, it looks like, if he's here, it's still going to right. be his role now as a no, head coach and a general manager. You're exactly right. The fact that he wanted to bring Matt Patricia back after last year tells me he's not, he still sees his way as the right way. And he's not about to let somebody else come in and, and tinker with it. So that, not that it was a nice thought to have. I don't know how realistic it ever was. And this kind of confirms a lot of that. Yeah. Well, we can jump back to Clem quickly because he seemed like you know one of the main points of emphasis in this story with, with his dynamic with Billy O didn't seem great um and, and that offensive line obviously he's got a health related issue so you hope yeah. he, he's okay and everything is is good with him but it looks and, and the Herald even said it that he's not going to be back here next year and he got a multi-year contract it was a big deal they paid him I think it was a million dollars a year, so they paid him pretty handsomely in order to do that job as the offensive line coach. And then they kind of, as we just talked about, were put the put the handcuffs on him and, and how he was able to coach, it seems. But it looks like that dynamic with Clem and Billy O wasn't very good, and it looks like Clem won't be in the equation next year. And, and no matter who's coaching, the Patriots will probably be looking for their fourth offensive line coach in, in four years here. Yeah, and that's also, you know, not sustainable. And look, if there's an overall coaching change from the top, you're going to have new guys, but too much turnover. Yeah, and, and the other thing was Clem, uh, he had a kind of a blow-up with Matt Grow. it seemed, about the lack of talents on the offensive line or some of the personnel on the offensive line. So that was another, I was trying to pull that part up in, in the article, but that was another kind of noteworthy thing with, with, with Matt Grow getting kind of linked right. into this from the personnel department. No, that's, it's, it's, it's another, it's a thing we talked about that the offensive line was going to be a major problem. And we saw it. We saw it. We said, you need to address the situation to tackle. There's a quote in there. How do you use the top three picks on defense when tackle was the biggest issue in the organization last year, which tackle was the biggest issue in the organization last season. year, <laughs> not quarterback, not receiver tackle. And there you go. You see it right there in print. They knew it and nothing was done about it. And that falls on Bill. Bill's the GM. That falls on Bill. He thought they were going to manage it on the boundaries. This is another year 
of of nibbling around the strike zone at the tackle position, and it came back and bit him. And I I don't want to hear. And I he kind of talked about it on Wednesday. Oh well, guys got hurt. You know, it wasn't the plan we originally had. No, your plan was a 36-year-old and a journeyman. Of course, the 36-year-old got hurt. He's 36 years old. He's or 34, whatever he is. It's an old man playing tackle in the NFL. And yes, it's unfortunate Calvin Anderson got sick, but before he did, he wasn't playing well. So the the, the plan was they were set up to fail to position again. And that's another thing where like the approach has to be different. There's no way to come back and try it again with the same approach and just hope you have better luck. No, the approach is fundamentally broken. Yep. So just reading that some of that part, they said, this is the Herald article again, few staffers privately pointed fingers at decision makers about the talent. That is Clem, who confronted director of player personnel, Matt Groh, early in the season in a loud exchange that reverberated through the organization. Clem, according to sources, didn't feel heard while some offensive veterans didn't want to believe their eyes. And then they got into how they had a start to rookies and Calvin Anderson in that week one game. They also said, speaking of the offseason, that Belichick and Grow, and this is a quote, believe the best tackles available in free agency in the draft had been overrated. So instead of investing significant money or high draft pick in a proven starter, they opted for the veteran discounts in Anderson and a 34-year-old Riley Reef. So But that's not Okay, so those guys are a little overrated. Are they worse than Riley Reef and Calvin Anderson? That sometimes you have to pay overpay players. That's just the game. That's just was, the game. That's just how it works. Was there a guy in the first three rounds who maybe could have right. been a little more useful than you know, we love Keon White. He's coming on playing great ball. We'd like the potential of Marte Mapu, but you need a starting caliber tackle. Is there one guy in that mix that you can identify and bring in to help? you know, patch that, patch that hole in your lineup. And they just didn't do that. And even going back years before, like I think Taylor said their last top 100 pick at tackle was Yadni Kajus, right? So this has been right. A multi-year. Who was a pure project player. Yeah. Like a third round pick who had, I think he battled injuries in college. Yeah. He wasn't going to play his rookie year. Like he was a pure project player. He was overdrafted. And the last tackle before that was Isaiah Wynn. who was a guard. Yeah. So it's, Yeah. Just not the approach, the fundamental approach needs to change. Yep, absolutely. So that seemed to be one of the biggest parts with Clem and that dynamic with Billy O up front. Does this change your mind at all about the job Billy O has done this year? Because obviously the offense is one of the worst in the league and he's the offensive coordinator. He deserves some blame for that. But he's working with, what we all see as one of the worst kind of positional groups in the NFL. He obviously has gotten bad quarterback play. And now he has a staff that he clearly isn't on the same page with only will Lawling is kind of his guy. Does this change your mind at all about, or maybe you already just thought it wasn't Billy O's fault to begin with, but does this kind of change your thoughts on Billy O? This yeah. Week? I always felt he was in a little overset. I, I think it could be better than it was. Uh, I, I don't think he's totally free of blame. He's not but it, he was in over his head from the beginning. Yeah, I agree with you there. Especially, like, hearing that he had to do his own meetings. Like, he had to take the yeah. whole offense in as a meeting because he didn't trust some of these positional coaches is, is what it seemed. So uh, he, he seemed a bit in over his head. But 
uh, that that seemed kind of like the main points, just the inner dysfunction within the staff, and it's bled out onto the field. And obviously, you have this four-win team as, as sort of the product as that. But there are a few more little details we can get into. I know you had some other points, I think, and yeah. things you wanted to make. But let's quickly take a quick break. We can hear from our friends over at FanDuel, and then we can get back into some of the other details from this Herald report. Score early. This NFL season with FanDuel. You know what's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Look, if you're not good at math, you, you even you know that's a good deal. I mean, I'm not good at math, and I, I know that's a good deal. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off your NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, here we go, folks. Now, pay attention to this. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right. So again, we're talking about this Boston Herald report from Andrew Callahan, Doug Kai. That is Broke down a lot of the dysfunction within the Patriots this year. Talked a lot about Billy O, Adrian Clem. Uh, what else did you kind of big picture or little yeah. things that you, that you took away from this? Uh, on the quarterbacks, you know, there was a lot of talk about the, you know, should they have gone to Bailey Zappi sooner? And they write that Zappi threw as many, if not more, interceptions in practice leading up to his first start than Mac Jones did. Uh, he was not ready. He was not ready. Mac Jones, uh, Bailey Zappi did not win the job. Mac Jones lost it. Uh, they get into kind of Mac Jones being broken, losing his confidence, the locker room being split. Some guys thinking he got a raw deal in New England. Other guys on the roster thinking that, you know, he just needed to do a better job of not turning the ball over, needed to not get panicked. But the whole, you know, what was it? It was like an 80-20 thing, right? He lost 80% of the locker room, had 20% still with him. That was a report at one point. I think that was also from the Herald. So you kind of see that. The, the biggest thing that stood out to me, because this is something we talked about a lot at the time and people did the media thing when we did it, was those few weeks there, the Germany game, the Giants game, the Chargers game, even whatever that next week was. Uh, I, I can't remember. They, uh, what was the next week? It was the Chiefs? Chiefs, yeah. Oh. We no the Steelers, Steelers, Steelers whatever it was. Yeah, you know, they didn't remember they didn't name the starter, and we didn't entirely know who it was gonna be. And we kept saying, What are they doing? Why won't Bill name a starter? And people, are like, oh, who because media feels so entitled, they need to know, blah, blah, blah. And I said this at the time, I'll say it again. I didn't care necessarily that we didn't know. Yeah, there were indications that people in the building didn't know. That's a problem. Because the guys on the team need to know so they can prepare. And they talk about how basically there was no collaboration in the quarterback room because nobody knew what the hell was going on. And both guys just kind of were preparing on their own. I, I know this sounds crazy. 
it's a collective effort in there. And you want as many minds as possible because maybe the backup sees something on film during the week that the starter doesn't. There were times Tom Brady talked about Brian Hoyer would point stuff out to him. Doesn't mean Brian Hoyer was going to start that week, obviously, but having everybody in the room going in one direction, there's value in that. And that extends beyond the quarterback position too to the rest of the uh to the rest of the room. So the Herald story reads instead of rallying to support the starter each week, they're often siloed. They talking about Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, they are often siloed in their own preparation. Several members of the organization believe they would have benefited from a veteran backup with experience in more cooperative rooms who could have directed them and tie the room together. There definitely isn't a healthy communication in there about trying to win football games. I mean, what are we doing? Tell them who the starter is. Yeah. And I, I don't tell us, I don't care. You don't have to tell me I'll figure out on Sunday. I'll pick up the clues from players talking during the week. I, I don't care. Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi should know which one of them is starting. And it was frustrating at the time, and you saw it being a problem at the time. And then the other part in there would have benefited from a veteran backup with experience in more cooperative rooms. They cut Brian Hoyer back in March because of all the crap that happened last year that he wasn't happy about. He basically said, hey, this is all BS that's happening. They cut him, and it made the BS worse. They needed that guy. And then they had to turn through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback to figure it out. Just a total mismanagement from the top down. Guess what? Mac Jones people, Bailey Zappi people, I know you guys hate each other. <laughs> you get to kind of shake hands and unite here. They were both set up to fail. Everyone they were was. both set up to fail based off what this story is telling us. Definitely a mess. And, and I, I agree with you 100%. You don't have to tell us, but the fact that the quarterbacks don't even know and then the offense doesn't even know. I forget the first game that what, – what was the first game that it was like truly up in the air? Uh, was it play? after – it was after the Colts game, right? Right, so that would have been the Giants game when they did yeah. half and half, yeah. And I remember we came on the, the recap show after the Giants game and we just said that was an offense that didn't – look like it knew who the starting quarterback was throughout the week, right? And we right. heard guys like Hunter Henry was saying, oh, I found out Friday. And this guy said, oh, I found out Sunday morning. And, like, it was just a mess. Like, that's not how you win football games. And the veteran part is interesting because you're going to go into the offseason probably with a rookie quarterback. Maybe Bailey Zappi is your backup. So you'd assume that they would like to get a veteran quarterback in here to – try to tie this room together because, again, you want those guys on the same side of the rope, all pulling together, all trying to help each other and win football games. But you mentioned quickly how they cycled through all these other guys. This was like a, a minor line, but I want to get your thoughts on this. They said, the Herald said, newly signed backup Will Greer was never a serious consideration to start per sources despite being told he could compete for playing time. Did you read into that at all, or did that just – like that's not a fair I wonder if that like that because it, but... it, it, it's it's natural yeah. when you read this stuff who said what right and I don't know any it, outside of Trent Brown at the beginning I love it it says you know uh sources spoke on the condition of anonymity out of fear of retribution from the Patriots Trent Brown. and it's all anonymous sources and then Trent Brown it's <laughs> just like no I said that Trent <laughs> Brown standing on business continues to just be the most entertaining player on this team um 
I mean, did that come? That felt like it came from uh, Will Greer himself, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know who else really would have said that. Uh, maybe he was told that. If they told him that, they should have let him compete. I think we said at the time there was a case to be made that Will Greer should have been the starting quarterback. They were super weird about him the whole time. Like he was getting reps, but he wasn't getting reps, but he was getting reps, but the reps he was getting weren't really reps. It was this, that that whole thing was weird. Uh, No, I, yeah, I don't know what I made exactly of that. Like, all right, so it's between Zappi and Jones outside of just, I understand why they wouldn't be interested in Greer, you know, getting a chance there because you want guys who've been in the system. If the, ideally you're in a system with chemistry, right? And you've built this chemistry since the spring and you don't want somebody coming in who doesn't have that chemistry. Not everybody can be Joe Flacco, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I necessarily had a major takeaway from that other than I wonder if like that's Will Greer getting his one punch in on the way get out of the yeah. door. Get in his, get in his yeah. last word in there. So uh, I mean, we can kind of talk, bill and big picture bill here unless was there any other like little notes you had i mean there were some like interesting things i don't know that they inform forward like i read this through the purview of is bill coming back next year yes or no right and how does this inform us about where how bill's viewed in the building about how he's operating that i read this through that lens so that's where my takeaways came from now there's some other things that are just interesting and i don't know that they inform anything but information to know trent brown saying after the steelers game he was going to be playing yeah. for an nfc team next year he's gone I think we all knew he was gone like i i didn't learn anything there but well we I hope that little that little sliver that maybe he's still the best tackle on the market maybe he comes back but he's gone right he's i gone. guess he wants to go to i don't know if it meant like he openly discussed playing for like a specific NFC team or just, he was like, you know, I, I'm just not getting the hell out of new England. I'm getting the hell out of the whole AFC, <laughs> whatever that was. I thought that was an between, interesting tidbit between uh, new England and Vegas. He's just AFC. Yeah. He's just, he's just AFC out. He needs to get, he, he needs the blue end. The, the red A is just not doing. Although I thought it, I was convinced he was going to go to the Texans cause he's, you know, a Houston guy and he just loves the Texans. Nope, Cowboys. Mason, but yeah. Cowboys. No, nope, not, not, well, I, I just when he signs with an AFC team this year, remember that quote because that'll be a great old team's exp- uh, <laughs> old uh, uh, old takes exposed. James Ferentz kind of working essentially as an assistant offensive line coach. We sort of saw that coming. It just goes back to the Clem thing, where like they were not prepared from a coaching standpoint entirely. Um, and it tells you that I, I would not be surprised if James Ferentz is coaching somewhere next year. Uh, I just thought that how much that's kind of way down David Andrews too. Cause he's probably taken on a big role oh, yeah. in that room yeah. as well with all these young guys and you know, a coach leaving and changing from going to how Clem's teaching it to back to how Skarnakia, like that's something. And, and he spoke today, David Andrews, that he's not ready to make any decision right. about his future yet. But you wonder how much this, the last two years really has kind of taken a mental toll on him as well there. Uh, multiple, According to sources, some members told Malik Cunningham when he left New England that he made the right move. We kind of said that at the time. We assumed that at the time. Bill Belichick kind of even said it in his press conference. He was like, yeah, we wanted to go play quarterback, and that's where he was going to go play quarterback. But just that thing hammered home. One source saying, quote, they had no plan for Malik. Again, we felt that. It just kind of is is out there now. Uh, Jack Jones blowing up at Mike Pellegrino. That was 
we wondered what the final straw was. Why do you bring him to Germany only to cut him the next day after benching him the week before? Okay, he blew up at a coach. There's the answer to that. Um, I think that was pretty much it. For, oh, and then there was this one quote at the end. The guys still respond to him. A tenured Patriots source said of Belichick. Yeah. And damn, we have so many squad meetings where he shows them what's going to happen in the game, and it always fucking happens. There's always effing happens, <laughs> even down to what we can't do, and then we always end up effing doing it. That's another one where, like, I'm really interested in who said that. I don't think it's a player because a tenured source, a tenured Patriots source said of Belichick, that sounds like something maybe a former player who's still in touch with the current players would say. Um, yeah, I... I'd be interested to see who said that because that's an interesting quote. We're like, he is still a great coach. And I think we all know that, but this other stuff, it's just the management of the organization. The CEO element of it is just so not there. Yeah. I don't, it says we have so many squad meetings. So I don't know if that'd be a former so, player. I, I like my mind experience. Like my mind went to like Julian Edelman and Devin McCourty. Yeah. I could McCourty. Definitely. I could say. He's not a big swearing guy. He doesn't swear a ton. Um, but uh, just because those are guys who are like in the building recently, Bill guys, they still talk to a lot of people on the team. Uh, but tenured Patriots source makes it sound like it's not like it's not Slater. We know Matthew yeah. Slater. I, Slater may feel that way. Very well may feel that way. I don't think Matthew Slater's dropping F-bombs. <laughs> David Andrews doesn't really talk like that. It also feels like it's maybe more of a defensive player. So, you know, Lawrence Guy, maybe Dietrich Wise, but they don't really yeah. sling the F bombs either, though. They're like, uh, I could see, I could see them doing that like when they're not with the media. Okay. But yeah, I, not that it ultimately matters. It's just interesting. That quote, yeah. the context is a little different depending on who said it. Yeah. Was it an offensive player? Was it a defensive player? Was it a coach? Was it an offensive coach? Was it a defensive coach? Was it like somebody else? Was it, you know, just somebody in the building watching all this happen? Um, the context that it, it, it the, the general meaning is the same, but I think the context changes a little bit depending on who said it. Yep. I agree. So that's like, that's with, with Bill. That's kind of the whole point right now is they even said it. He hasn't lost his fastball as a hands-on coach. The team is still bought in. So, what do they do with him after this week 18 game? And, you know, Mike Reese said him and Kraft will have their annual sit-down meeting uh, on Monday where they discuss things. You assume Bill's going to go in there and probably right. have his little clicker and all these Mac Jones interceptions and say, well, if this didn't happen and this didn't happen and this didn't happen, we'd have six more wins and, and we'd be in the playoffs. Uh, as Daniel brings up here in the chat, Belichick to the NFC South, Josina Anderson – added on to her report today that uh, she said in quote, she's told that there are still recent high level sentiments within the Patriots organization regarding desires to mutually part ways and start anew. And she also said there were some NFC South teams that are interested. There were some rumblings like a few months ago that Tampa Bay might be a team that. Yes, that I haven't. Might... I'll tell you right now. It's not really? happening. Even no, though I, Jason that's not sourced, is a... but man, I just, I, I don't see how he goes to Tampa after Tom. Did. After so, Tom like, did. what it happened? I don't, I don't, I don't know for sure. I just, with how image conscious he is, to go to Tampa after Brady, ah, uh, that be, that would tough. be pretty uncharacteristic of Bill. It would be super weird. 
Like, can you, what does Brady tweet about that? What does Brady say about that? Like, then that becomes a whole thing about Brady. Like, Bill, does Bill welcome Brady to Tampa? Does he go back and become more part of the Bucks organization again? Because if he does, that's weird after the whole Patriot for life thing. But it's also weird if he doesn't, because that's Bill Belichick and it's his former coach. And I, I, when I said I can tell you, I didn't mean that to be like a report, but uh, it feels so weird. There's so it's it would be so weird. I think the other three teams make a ton of sense. I like it. I know everybody's kind of circling um, uh, Atlanta in in that report. The NFC South, Carolina. He's close with Sean Payton. The Saints, Maybe you go to Sean Payton, right? He's going to get the inside look at the Saints. He's they've got options there in terms of what they can do with the roster. I I think the Saints. He's going to go to the NFC South. Make the most sense of anybody. They probably have. I don't know. The Falcons have a pretty good roster if they get a quarterback. Is Doug Marone still on the Saints staff? Because that's someone Bill's pretty close. Yeah, that's another guy of his. He might still be there. That's a good question. Um, I didn't even think of that. Uh, Doug Marone is their offensive line coach. That was a name that kind of came up in, in March when we were going through that cycle. Doug Marone, oh, yeah. maybe offensive line coach. So there, there's a connection there. I was just Tampa, like Jason – White, their GM were tier before, so I don't know what that connection's like. But yeah, that that would be really weird to kind of kind of follow there after Tom. So that was just some added context there from from Josina's report. She did mention the Chargers again that we talked about. So they're another team that's that's lurking in the background. But I mean this this meeting on Monday, what do you think's going to happen? Like, do you think Robert's mind is kind of made up here? We know if Bill still wants to be here, he's going to go in here and kind of fight for his job, but uh, what are you expecting to kind of be the fallout from that meeting? I think Robert knows what he's going to propose and whether he, where I'm kind of like, there's no more. All right, well, let's see what happens Sunday. And like, no, he, he knows what he wants to do. I, I think the unknown is, is there, is Robert making an outright decision or does he put the decision on Bill Belichick's plate. And what I mean by that is, does Robert say, hey, so here are the scenarios, right? Is scenario one, which is there's two scenarios within that, is Robert makes a flat-out decision. Either, hey, you're back, and you know, you've know you won me six Super Bowls, you've been very good for 20 years, I know there's a lot of noise out there, keep doing your thing, you know, we're good. Maybe there's little tweaks there like O'Brien last year, but you know, you're good. Or is Robert already made a decision to say, all right, we're done. We're done here, and maybe that's a trade. Maybe that's a you know parting of ways, but like we're, we're done. The other scenario is do they sit down and Robert says, okay, if you want to come back, A, B, C, and D are happening. So non-negotiable. We're going to get a real GM. We're going to take a quarterback in the first round of the draft. We're going to you know spend money on these positions. We're not going to spend money on these positions. You're going to be, you know, these coaches are getting hired. These coaches are getting let go, right? You know, or not necessarily Robert saying specific coaches, but we're hiring a GM. The organizational direction is going to be run by somebody else. You will coach the football team, mainly the defense. And that's what it's going to look like, yes or no. And then depending on what Bill says, it's either Bill says yes. And then that's, you know, they go off and they find the GM and they go from there. Or Bill says, no, I'm Bill Belichick. You're not taking control for me. And then Robert says, well, that's the only way we're doing a deal. And then it's, you know, maybe, maybe he even gives them the courtesy of, 
do you want to be, do you mind if we trade you? Like, we'll, we'll let you choose your location or would you rather just have a parting of the ways and you do it all on your own? And, and maybe he gives him that, but I, 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 I don't think it's a thing where Robert's still tossing and turning at night. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh no. Yeah. Is, am I going to bring Bill back? Am I not, you know, what am I going to say in the meeting? No, that's yeah. all long been decided. I just wonder if Bill Belichick gets to have, if, if, if Robert basically makes Bill make the decision, right. In terms of whether or not he's coming back. That to me is the great unknown here. Yep. And it's gotta be like that, right? Cause we talked a lot like this has got to be quick. It's got to happen fast. Cause you got to move on. We have, you have one week shrine bowl stuff coming up. The start of February and internal free agents can start signing on Monday. Like, you got to get going here. I, I actually looked up today. We got that statement last year about Gerard Mayo and the offensive coordinator search on Thursday after the season ended. So, and they met, you know, Monday, and then you get the statement on Thursday. So maybe a similar pattern follows next week. But again, that's got to be a quick decision. That's got to happen soon because you have to move on with your franchise. You have, you have things to do. So. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll kind of see what happens there, but I think that's most of the big picture stuff from today. Again, if you didn't read that article on the Boston Herald, I would absolutely go check that out. Great work from Andrew and Doug. Bill and Kraft will be meeting uh, on Monday. Have that meeting on Monday to kind of see what happens going forward. But unless you had any other things to add to any big picture stuff, I guess we could talk a little bit about the football game on Sunday, but uh, we can take a quick break before we do that and hear from our friends over at SeatGeek. I've been looking for the best deal on Celtics tickets and with over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports festivals, and more. You can use my code, Dreamers Pro for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code Dreamers Pro. Make sure you check the link in the description to download the app. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so if anyone wants to brace the elements this weekend and come to maybe Bill's last game, make sure you go to SeatGeek for your Patriots tickets. But we got a snow game in Gillette. Looks Finally. Like, like I've never covered the, one. I've always wanted to. I've never covered one. Has there been a, like a true snow game it's since that Titans one? Time. Uh, the no. Car- was the Cardinals one after the Titans where Welker did the uh, snow oh, angels in the maybe. end zone? The last one I remember is a road game was that game in 2010 against the bears where Brady just tore them up. I think Dion branch had a big game. That's the last one I really remember. Yeah. There hasn't been one in a while. We barely even get snow here in football season anymore, but right. uh, I was just pulling it up. It looks like we're still three to five inches Saturday night. And then like one to three inches. It's going to turn to rain Sunday morning. So, 
Oh, that's no, that's not a snow game because they'll have cleared yeah. the field and then everything's just nasty. Ah, that's no fun. There's been games like that. I know there's been games like that I mean, the last couple like of years because I've yeah. covered those. Yeah. Where the road's frozen, you're trying to get there and everything's just wet and dirty and that's ah, no fun. That one's no fun. Yeah. We don't want the rain and slush. No, we want right. like true snow. But right. so maybe that, maybe that'll change by Sunday. But, uh, they gave their rookies their snow brushes and prep preparation. Pop Douglas had no idea what the hell it was as a, as a Florida native. He was confused. He needed some advice on how to use the snow brush, snow scraper in the locker room there the other day. But uh, we do have a football game. The New York Jets come to town riding a 15-game losing streak to the Patriots. Obviously, the implications in this one are, are draft-related. Their Patriots are currently sitting in third. It looks like if they win, they can't go any lower than five. But if they lose, they're still up for grabs for that number two pick. So that's obviously the, the big point of view that most people will be paying attention for this one. But obviously, as we've talked about so much, the players aren't tanking. They want to end this on a high note and put some good tape out in the last week to either take to free agency, take to a new team, or, or just make their case to be on this roster next year. A guy like Bailey Zappi still pushing for maybe playing time next year. Yeah, that's mainly what you're looking for. Just, you know, the rookies, the young guys, how are they performing? Who makes a, you know, a late push? Some of these guys that have built momentum, Keon White, Alex Austin, do they continue to do that? Uh, that's going to be the big football takeaway from this game. Then obviously the draft position, but I don't, they're, they're playing my clips of it on the sports hub earlier. I stand by it. Win or lose should not change the Patriots draft approach at all, at all. Whichever one of the quarterbacks you believe in, go get them. Go get it. Like Caleb, what you're not getting Caleb Williams. We've known that. They they're gonna finish no lower than five. You can get to two from five. If you end up at two, great. If not, what are you saving those second and third round picks for? Have those gone. Or, you know, you gotta find other ways to fill those hard spots. Go spend some money. You're gonna have a ton of it. Yep. So yeah. Especially if you have a team like Arizona looks like, I mean, they say they're going to keep Kyler Murray now. We'll see if they are still thinking that in four months. Right. Obviously, they had the whole different regime, but they had the whole Josh Rosen scenario where you yeah. know, he's our guy. But yeah, it, you can, you're going to be in range to go up and get the, maybe not Caleb Williams, and maybe you don't want to give up all those picks to go up to number one and, and hurt your future, maybe like Carolina did. But if you really like a guy, you're going to be in range to make a move to go up there and get him no matter what happens on Sunday here. Yeah, and, and one last thing on this, I'll say, it, everybody's saying that, like it's automatic the Patriots are going to win because the Jets are bad and they are bad. Uh, Jets fans care so much about this winning streak. Yeah. So much. Like when Rodgers signed, I remember to some of the Jets fans, friends of mine, uh, yes, I'm friends with Jets fans, unfortunately, were – Talking like one of the first things they jumped to before even like, hey, we might be like a Super Bowl contender was we're finally going to beat the Patriots. Like the streak's going to end. And then obviously it didn't. Would it not be, so point of view, the most <laughs> Jets thing of all time yeah. where they finally break this streak and it comes in a meaningless game that actually helps the Patriots get their next franchise quarterback? Jets fans are still mad they helped us figure out our last franchise quarterback. They might help us get the next. It would be so Jets for that to happen. That that just the cosmic football universe energy, the football gods. I can't rule out them pulling that string. I can't do it. 
that that, that would just be classic Jets. Yeah. Just hand us like hand the Patriots Drake May, and then Drake May can start a new streak. Torture for the next team games. That would be so classic. But yeah, I mean, it is like Zach Wilson's out for them, so it is Trevor Simeon. It's going to be low scoring, especially if the weather's bad. You, you struggle seeing where they're going to score points. Uh, the Jets' defense is still playing good football. Might be still probably will be tough for Zappy. I mean, Zappy might throw some turnovers, and that could make a difference. I'll tell you this: you speak a little scoring. Zero zero tie. Patriots can't fall lower than fourth. Yeah, probably good move for them. Tie the game. Why not? Yeah. So, uh, defense, special teams. If someone gets a special teams or, or defensive score, they're probably uh, going to win this game. And, and oh yeah. Speaking of special teams, what's we, the number? I think it was like thirty and a half, maybe. That's not even their lowest lowest total of the year. Didn't they have like a twenty eight? <laughs> that Steelers Thursday night game was yeah like very low. I think yeah, it's thirty and a half. That that feels high. Yeah, that especially if the weather's bad. Yeah, <laughs> but sorry, special teams. Uh, speaking of special teams, we have to mention Matthew Slater. Might be his last game. Looking, he wouldn't admit to it, but it, it's certainly looking like this is going to be his last game. Just. I mean, there's there's not many words you can say. Just an all-time Patriot career, all-time human being as, as a man, just so many legendary moments. As a special teams player, right? Like how many, not even like a kicker, like Adam Vinatieri has his moments, but right. how many special teams guys, gunners have, have all-time moments like, like he does. Just should be a Hall of Famer, obviously a lock for uh, a Patriot Hall of Fame. And if this is it, it was just a, a spectacular career for him. I hope they do something for him. And, like, they'll do something for him in the sense that, like, you know, show him on the video board or something like that and give him that moment. But you know how, like, when a team who – was, who was the offensive lineman from the Jaguars a couple years ago? He was their center for, like, 10 years. And, and he was re- it to him or retiring. And it was his last yeah. game, right? And they put in, like, a tackle. I don't think they're going to line Matthew Slater up on offense, but, like, a fake punt or field goal or something, maybe a kick return gadget play where, like, Slater gets to do something cool. Uh, <clears> that'd be fun to see. I hope they, yeah. they give him some sort of opportunity like that. And I'm sure they'll show him on the video board at the end of the game and he'll get, he'll get an applause from uh, the Gillette crowd. Question is, do they do, is there any recognition of bill, special recognition of bill during the in, in game uh, presentation? Do they put him up on the video board late in the game? I wouldn't be surprised. If you maybe get a chant for the fans, like a thank you bill, something like that. Uh, if the, if the, the pre and I don't think the way these things work, I've worked at stadiums. I've worked for teams. I don't think you're going to get Kraft going to, and when I say Kraft, I don't mean Robert himself. I mean the, you know, the C-suite going to the directors of game presentation, being like, "Hey, Bill's gone. Put him up on the video board," because that tips your hand. If they do something like that, it's unprompted, but I almost feel like they won't do something like that to because I mean, where? Let, let me put it this way: if there's like an extended shot of Bill on the video board after the game, we're all going to read into that. Yeah, 100%. Of course. And I think they're going to try to avoid a situation like that. Yeah. But hopefully he is acknowledged by the fans in a positive way. Because I know it's been bad, but he's going to leave and we're all going to remember, you know, the 20 years of how awesome he was and and all the good times. So I hope he's not, you know, booed or or anything like that. Slater will be interesting. I was thinking maybe pregame like he's the only captain who goes after the i can see something like that but he would hate that yeah that doesn't seem right he doesn't he wouldn't like he would be upset about that i I feel so yeah that'll be interesting uh to watch what happens there but yeah 
could be uh, the ending for a few Patriot Legends there. Uh, the only thing I had for the game else is Bryce Berenger needs one punt inside the 20 to set a franchise record. If he doesn't get oh, that, really? I will be very upset. So it's actually there. It's him and Thomas Morstead. He's got Bryce has 36 inside the 20 and the Jets punter has 33 and they're top of the league. So we could have a inside the 20 off Ooh, high it, 20 off in the snow. Here we go. Cause so it could be some real sicko stuff there, but he needs one to break Jake Bailey's record in 2020. So that's Man. what I'll be rooting for in this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous of you, Brian, because back in the day when Evan handled all the big picture football stuff and I had to live in his shadow, I would have been on that details. stat so fast. <laughs> that's all I would have been talking about. Now I have to like actually cover the teeth. Not that you don't, I don't mean to say that, but like. I've I, been I, on that all year and there was a point where he was, you know, they put it out in, in these game releases and they had his pace for the year. Yeah. There was a point where he was at like 47, 48, 49. I'm like, oh, he's going to get this easily. And now here we are last week of the season and he's he's still gunning for it there. So that'll be the what, one thing. Do you thing. notice high 20 percentages? Uh, I looked the other day. I forget. I think he was like ninth or 10th in the league. Okay. Because he was – I remember I checked a couple weeks ago. He was seventh. So yeah, he that's was still I, in that, that top 10 range. I-20 is a good number, but I like I-20 percentage and then I-20 to touchback ratios. Another like that was the one that Jake Bailey dominated yeah. was the I-20. He didn't have the most I-20s in the league, but he had a good amount and he had no touchbacks. And the I-20 touchback, he was like, it was the best in a few years that he, he had awesome that one player. season that he was dominant. Yeah. And then he got ruined, but yeah, that's so <laughs> poor Jake Bailey. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully that doesn't happen uh, with, with Bryce here. Right. Right. Who was we, we could also just say quickly to end who was he was yeah. leading fan voting for a while, Pro Bowler. Pro Bowl snub, yeah. Didn't get it. Uh no pro bowlers for the Patriots for the first time which, since two thousand, which was Bill's first year. Yeah. Look, the team was what it was. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that they had a Pro Bowl, you know, filled roster, but I think Christian Barmore's real peppers. It's hard to argue those two guys weren't among the best at their position in the league. And I think it, you know, it's the Patriots, they were bad, they didn't have as many eyeballs, all of that, but those two guys deserve some recognition. Those two guys were excellent. And yeah, uh, I, I thought maybe some snubs there, but to have no pro bowlers this year, I think is a, a reflection of what the team was. It's fitting. And kind of to bring it back to how we started, like the Herald report, man, that's just, it's another sign. It's another canary in the coal mine of where they're at right now. Yep. Definitely agree with all that, but I believe that is it. Our last game preview of the year. Yep. We'll be back next week to break down the game and maybe anything maybe. else. Who knows? I mean, so last year we got the statement that Kraft – Well, no, not just Thursday. Me and Mike were on. Oh, we wow, it like, happened? <laughs> we did like 45 minutes of a show about, oh, uh, you know, what are they going to do? Who's going to be the offense coordinator? Is it going to be Patricia again? And then like as Mike's wrapping up the show, they boom, the statement. statement. We did another 30 <laughs> minutes, and that was a fun show. So – uh, it next week is going to be weird because I feel like I'm, and there is a snowstorm on Sunday, which makes it ironic, but I feel like I'm getting ready for a blizzard. Like I, I'm I go food shopping, well, I gotta get a haircut tomorrow. I'm, you know, making sure all my laundry's taken care of all of that. Like I, bunker down. I am going, cause Bill Belichick and the Patriots part ways. And I'm, I'm, you know, sitting in traffic, you know, I'm no. waiting in line at the, at the, the counter at the deli at, at the supermarket. No. Of course not. A chain to my desk for the next week. So 
next week will be an interesting one for sure. Who maybe beyond that, we'll see how they handle it. <laughs> but uh, you know, if I sound like I'm complaining, it comes with the job. Wouldn't trade it. But uh, absolutely, yeah. Get get Brian bread and milk. Absolutely. Bread and milk. Get ready. Get ready because we are uh, we are hunkered down for the next week plus after this game. The Herald said it. Winter is coming. Winter, Winter is, is coming. That's right. Winter <laughs> is coming. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll. Of course, be right here to break it all down. We still are going right throughout the offseason because we will yep. get into this coaching staff and free agency. And Actually, draft. I was going to say that's right. So you started in camp, right? Uh, like OTAs, like right before all right, OTAs. So you started like the worst part. Uh, I always say this, and I usually give this speech around this time of year. Maybe it's after the after the final game. This is an offseason show. We're a Patriots podcast. We're going to talk about the games, of course, and I love doing it during the season, but this show started in the offseason. It started January uh, 21, so leading up to that draft, and it's a big draft show. It's a big free agency show. I was talking to Taylor Kyle's about this today. There's more X's and O's football talk now in the offseason than there is during the season. Yeah. When the team's bad, there's all the palace intrigue stuff. We'll get through that with Bill. You know, There's going to be some of that this offseason, but – you know, when we get a new coach, who's a scheme fit? Who's not? Who do they need to add in fantasy? We'll get in the draft. I'm excited for you, Brian, because there's an off-season show. So you'll really get the full Patriot Speed experience here uh, coming up soon. And so will all our viewers. Yep, it'll, it'll be fun. Obviously, you guys we do mock drafts and try to get you guys involved as much as possible. So make sure you keep tuning in. You can subscribe to the channel. As always, turn on your notifications so you do know when we go live, you can follow us on Twitter at I am Brian Hines at Real Alex Barth for all of our wonderful tweets and everything on there. And you can go to 985esportshub.com to read Alex's work, and you can go to patspulpit.com to read my work. Thank you all, as always, for tuning in. Enjoy the last game of the season, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>